All right, time for This Week in Quotes. Joining us, as always, from Korea Chuang Daily Editor, Jim Bully. Uh, good morning to you. Good morning. We're going to talk about uh, what had been a bit of a controversy in the political circles, but it seems to have uh, died down for now. But uh, it is a quote attributed to the Foreign Minister, Kang Kyung-hwa. Yeah, um, I'll go, let's go with the quote. I'm a bit hesitant to comment on this as it's a personal matter, but my husband is not the type of person who will decide not to go on his trip because I tried to stop him from going. Mm-hmm. So this is, uh, of course, the story of Foreign Minister Kang Kyung-hwa's husband, um, Lee Yoo-byung, flying off to America um, seemingly to buy a yacht despite the advice from you know, his wife's own ministry uh, telling people to cancel or postpone all non-essential overseas trips. So the, the quote itself, and, and she has had um, uh, many state, statements uh, to this uh, particular topic, um, including an expression of regret, apology, uh, and also uh, sort of uh, this idea that I, I'm not going to be able to tell him to come back uh, to, uh, to whatever face the media back here in Korea. But It's become an issue in the sense that she's the foreign minister, so she's the top diplomat, and so she um, is somebody who has to set a standard as to the social distancing protocols, especially uh, in terms of matters of travel, as uh, is often the case for diplomats. It's the optics issue, isn't it? And and we're talking about uh, a person who is maybe of a privileged class going to purchase a yacht. I I know that I am not uh, capable of doing so. I don't want to be too presumptuous, but I assume that uh, you are not somebody who's in the market for a yacht. I have not got a yacht, no. (laughs) So that that, that headline is very flashy, a a guy going over to the U.S. to to buy a yacht during this uh, uh, pandemic period. But uh, I I guess um, that is weighed against the idea that uh, not to engage in too much of a whataboutism, but if you see how uh, world leaders like the the Trump White House have handled their quarantine protocols and social distancing measures, it does seem like a fairly mild controversy in the bigger scheme of things. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the Trump White House. It is quite uh, Trump Trumpian. Is that is that an adjective we're using? Mm-hmm, it? Mm-hmm. it is quite, you know, like that that idea that, uh, you know, oh, social distance, everything is fine, but I do really need this yacht. So, <laughs> you know, I, I've got that going on. Like that, that the optics aren't great, as you say. It, it is definitely, as a, as a scandal, it's, it's an embarrassing one. It's not one that's, you know, reflective on Kang's competence or, you know, her... Her job or anything like that. It's just it's just embarrassing that a family member yeah. um, would behave like this. But I don't think anyone is 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 you know suggesting that that it's her fault that he did it. Yeah, people have raised um, some of the g- gender dynamic issues here. I mean, it's not necessarily just unique to Korean society, but a a uh, a husband telling a wife what to do. Hey, you're not going to be allowed to go on that shopping trip right now because it's going to look bad on me. But um, perhaps even though uh, she is a quite uh, powerful and influential figure herself, when it comes to uh, trying to uh, control her husband, that just is not something that uh, she would be able to do uh, in in terms of this so called patriarchal society. Yeah, I'm not I'm not saying myself. I'm just saying that's been a point that's been raised yeah. as well and you know patriarchal or not um i'm married you're married like that's not what a marriage is like you don't you don't get married and gain control of someone else's his life right. you know? like the, right. the 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 statements um lee said we are both adults so she didn't particularly tell me not to go now obviously this is in defense of his ill-advised yacht trip so it's not the best the best quote to hold up as a standard but it is true they are both adults um and there's only so much so much you know, control that she can have over his actions. Yeah.
bottom line, as you say, uh, optics aren't the best, but uh, uh, he, he's been talking about this uh, in, on the public record, right, on his personal blog for quite yeah. a while now. This is sort of, a, as people have been saying, a bucket list item uh, for him to, to be able to do, and uh, he is not uh, going to uh, flout any of the regulations in terms of uh, quarantine protocols and, and 14-day uh, periods and, and all of that. But uh, uh, it's a controversy, and uh, I guess uh, that's what's been out there. Let's turn to our second quote here, uh, dealing with a bit of... Um, history and and a look back at the Korean War and how uh, people perceive it. Yeah, history through a certain lens. Um, This is Chinese Lieutenant General He Li, who says in uh, an opinion piece published in the Global Times on Thursday, history has proved that after China's victory in the Korean War, the U.S. no longer dared to try to mount a military invasion of China. Now, this is some sort of a... anti-U.S. posturing, really. And the the Chinese um, government does lean heavily on the Korean War. It's a big propaganda piece for them. It's a common thing. And um, obviously, they're gearing up towards the 70th anniversary of China's participation in the conflict. Um, And uh, and that's like a big big sort of um, propaganda piece when when you play into kind of the Chinese Communist Party's angle of, of like the plucky underdog beating the imperialist. Um, more technologically advanced forces. But it is certainly a questionable statement, China's victory in the Korean War. I don't think a lot of people would necessarily agree that that is, that that is true at all. And obviously, it's sort of dragging Korea into a, uh, a, a US bashing um, op-ed. Yeah, so th- those are the two points that uh, you're raising that kind of come to mind uh, with a quote like that is one, uh, certainly there have been increased tensions between uh, China and the U.S. and largely coinciding uh, with Trump's presidency. Um, Initially, we were talking about these uh, trade tensions and the tit-for-tat sanctions or uh, tariffs that have been placed on each other, Uh, the the growing concern that uh, China is emerging as a superpower and uh, this fight of uh, hegemony over the Northeast Asia region. And then, Um, in in light of the pandemic and and, uh, basically uh, people wondering who mishandled it worse, uh, uh, China for letting it out in the first place or or the U.S. with its uh, inept response right now. But it does highlight the second point you're saying that ultimately it does put Korea in a a very difficult position because you may not agree with whatever China is contending here with uh, their idea that they won the Korean War and the the U.S. is now cowed and will never uh, invade uh, Chinese um, uh, land or even land bordering China. But at at the same time, Korea relies very heavily on on, uh, Chinese uh, trade and it is their most important uh, sort of economic partner uh, as it stands right now. But at the same time, um, very much has a very big security concern in maintaining an alliance with the U.S. And it's going to happen regardless whether it's Trump or whether it's going to be uh, President Biden after uh, 2021. Yeah, and that's probably going to get more noticeable, especially in the next few weeks, um, as China marks the anniversary of the Korean War, because the, the um, the Chinese name for the Korean War even is the War to Resist U.S. Aggression and Aid Korea. Mm. They, they painted in their propaganda as China and Korea versus the U.S. South Korea doesn't really get a look in. Um, and so, you know, it's going to be, there's going to be increasingly um, 
uh, well, not necessarily inflammatory statements, but statements that to Seoul can certainly seem inflammatory. And that's going to continue over the next few weeks. And that will certainly put Korea in a very awkward position. Yeah. And so, you know how we have that almost now cliche thing about, well, the two Koreas are technically uh, still at war because the armistice did not actually end uh, the war itself officially. It, it just uh, ceased hostilities. You can say the same for all the participants, whether it's the UN uh, command or whether it's uh, the US and, and China as it stands right now. And so it's a very tenuous situation, despite the so-called trade war and, and, uh, and the, the controversies over the pandemic, that uh, this is an issue that still is not re- resolved and it's going to be, you know, uh, con- potential kind of hotspot going forward between the U.S. and China. Yeah, I mean, certainly not for the first time in history. Korea continues to be sort of the stage for two major superpowers to to play out their differences, at least this time as a war of words. Okay, our uh, final quote here, uh, really not something about uh, a major news event or a political controversy, but really uh, signifying a a passing of of a much beloved figure here in Korea. Yeah, so this is the passing of Han Onju, who was head of internal medicine at Magnus Nursing Hospital. Um, She passed away on Monday at the age of 94. She was the oldest practicing uh, doctor in Korea. And she um, is an is an often quoted uh, figure because she had this very sort of gentle outlook on on mm. um, life and medicine, which is especially poignant now. The quote that we've pulled out um, is: "Sometimes illnesses can be cured simply with love." And so um, she is referring to obviously the compassion a healthcare giver can give uh, to their patients and how that uh, can also have uh, a beneficial effect aside from uh, the technical medical uh, benefits uh, they gave. She has uh, amazingly um, not not retired, right? She was she was practicing medicine at at a very very advanced age, right? Until April this year. Um, she was still practicing, and she so she was a she trained as a gynecologist. She was a gynecologist until she was, you know, in her eighties, um, mm. and then uh, she moved into a nursing home um, and became eventually became the director of medicine at that nursing home. So she continued to work with you know essentially her contemporaries or people even younger than her right. in the nursing home, caring for them. Um, and one of the sort of the the big the big story this week has been her last words, which for um, a woman who's built her career around uh, sort of a combination of medicine and love were especially poignant. Her last words were, cheer up, it's autumn, I love you. Yeah, I mean, there are occasionally these uh, figures that uh, are, are such um, benevolent um, people that it's, you, it's, it's just you, you can probably find it very, very difficult uh, to to say a bad thing about them. I mean, you even have people like Mother Teresa where uh, posthumously now there have been like questionings about, uh, about her legacy and, and maybe some of her actions. But uh, people like Han Wenju, I, I don't know. I mean, it just, it just feels like I, I can't figure anybody um, saying anything that yeah. would be considered it, as critical of her. It's a bittersweet story because, of course, the reason we're talking about her is because she passed away this week. But her, her kind of message for life, I think, is something that yeah. a lot of people need right now. Yeah, definitely. All right, Jim, we will leave it there. Thank you for joining us on a holiday. Hope you have a good weekend, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you. You too.